Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, Finance Friday Edition, where we interview Ben and talk about investment strategies after paying off massive student loan debt. Now, I guess I'm in a position where, you know, we have been maxing out our Roths for a little bit um, for probably about two years now. I'd say we're more heavily invested in real estate. So I kind of want to get into, you know, how we can best invest, I guess, when it comes to the stock market. Like I know we should be in low cost index funds. How exactly should I be doing that? Like I said to Mindy at one point, like, I think we're going to be over the income limit for Roth IRAs. So now I'm kind of curious, what should I be doing? Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mindy Jensen. And with me as always is my courteous co-host, Scott Trench. You know what they call a um, courteous spy, Mindy? No, what? Agent. 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 Oh, that's a great joke. Ha ha ha. Thank you, Mindy. <laughs> Scott Scott and I are here to make financial <laughs> Scott is here to make very bad jokes. Scott and I are here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else. To introduce you to every money story because we truly believe financial freedom is attainable for everyone, no matter when or where you're starting or how bad your jokes are. That's right. Whether you want to retire early and travel the world, go on to make big-time investments in assets like real estate, start your own business, or just strengthen an already strong financial position, we'll help you reach your financial goals and get money out of the way so you can launch yourself towards your dreams. All right, Scott. Today we're talking to Ben, who has recently paid off $120,000 in student loan debt. Hooray, 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 hooray. That is fantastic news. But now he would like to do something with his extra money. And like I said before, there's no such thing as extra money. You have to just tell that money where to go. So we're going to talk to Ben today about what he should do with the funds that he has left over from his income versus what he's spending. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a it's a great discussion we have with Ben, and you know, hats off to Ben. He he has really built a strong financial position that is built on a foundation of hard work and discipline with his spending, and then a couple of smart investments and a sustainable approach to to building wealth and and, and uh, generating increasing amounts of freedom in his life. So, really optimistic for Ben's future. We we had a couple of tweaks I think today, and a couple and Mindy had a, 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 in particular some really good advice for him. Um, but this is a, this is somebody who's already on a really strong trajectory and only getting stronger. Yeah, I think he's got a lot of potential, and he's just in that beginning of the grind phase. But starting from a really in a really strong position, he has no debt. He has two rental properties that are doing really well, and now he wants to know where else to put his money. So I think that we have a lot to talk about today. Uh, one thing that I have to say, because my lawyers make me, is the contents of this podcast are informational in nature and are not legal or tax advice, and neither Scott nor I nor bigger pockets is engaged in the provision of legal tax or any other advice. You should seek your own advice from professional advisors, including lawyers and accountants regarding the legal tax and financial implications of any financial decision you contemplate. And before we bring in Benjamin, let's take a quick break. Remember when you had to pay to get a leads phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. 
explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval, and terms of each credit card issuer apply. It's Military Appreciation Month, so I'd like to personally thank all our past guests who have served and all our listeners who are serving, deployed, veterans, or in the reserves. But I'm not the only one showing appreciation. Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond with exclusive rates, discounts, and tools. This month, join Navy Federal and get $50 when you open a credit card. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. With 24-7 U.S.-based member service and resources for veterans transitioning to civilian life, Navy Federal is here to help you reach your goals. Head to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender. Disclaimer, must join an open membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. Annual percentage yield 0.25% for membership savings account. $5 minimum balance to open, maintain membership savings account, and to obtain bonus. Visit NavyFederal.org for more terms and conditions. Benjamin and his wife just paid off $120,000 in student loan debt. Yay! And got married and had an epic honeymoon. And now they're ready to buckle down and grow their wealth. He and his wife have a great salary and the ability to save multiple thousands of dollars per month, but he's not quite sure where to put that money. Benjamin, welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. Thank you. I am very excited to be here and have definitely been waiting a long time to be on the show. I'm very excited you're here and I can't wait to jump into your numbers, so I'm not going to. Let's jump in. I see a combined salary of approximately $230,000 from your W-2 and some overtime, which is awesome. I also see rental properties that bring in, two rental properties that bring in $1,800 a month total. We're definitely going to talk about that. I also see monthly expenses of about $5,000. So I am not going to go into these. They seem pretty spot on. You do have an elevated travel budget. But again, we just said you have your honeymoon, which is eating up a big chunk of your travel budget. And you don't get to go on a honeymoon every year. Um, I mean, I guess you could, but <laughs> so the delta between your income and your expenses is between four and $6,000 a month. 
clearly that's not where we need to focus. You have investment accounts, 401k, 30,000 in a Roth 401k and 10,000 in your wife's Roth 401k. You have $45,000 in cash reserves, including 10,000 per rental property and six months of reserves personally. Yay, again, sorry, I have to comment because that's awesome. And rental properties, you have a you have two rental properties, one on $259,000 purchase at 3.875%, hooray, and one at Two hundred and sixty-two thousand at four point five percent. Are there any other debts or assets? We have a primary house. We do have a primary house. Yep, and we owe about two hundred and five thousand on it, and it appraised at two eighty-five. So we've got about eighty thousand dollars there in equity. Fantastic. And then, how about any other debts? Uh, just my wife's car loan, which is a part of that budget—the fifty-one twenty-three a month. All right, awesome. And Ben, what would you estimate your net worth at, totaling up all the things we just discussed? Uh, my total net worth, I've estimated at 357500 So Ben, would you mind telling us a little bit about your money background and story? How'd you get here? Yeah, definitely. So I grew up in a, a middle-class family and I definitely liked to earn my money as a kid. I did the lemonade stands and delivered papers and worked tobacco and all that kind of stuff. But I was always saving for something, whether that was like a PlayStation or a dirt bike or whatever. I got into my early and mid-20s, and I spent most of that time being in a band and being very broke, (laughs) Um, just enough to basically get ourselves from point A to point B. And um, in 2016, me and my guys decided, well, let's disband, and you know, it's time to actually get full-time jobs. So I didn't have my first full-time job until I was 27. Um, at that point, me and my friend Rich started talking about how we could, you know, make money, what we were going to do. And he read the book Rich Dad Poor Dad, which I know is a common one. And he had told me he had saved ten thousand. So I was like, "Give me that book." So I read that book in 2016 and was like, "Okay, I need to eliminate or come close to eliminating my housing expense. And if I can do that, then I can do anything." So I began saving money at a job where I was making like fifteen dollars an hour. And doing any side hustles that I could, and I saved enough to buy a three-family multifamily home in 2017 in December. And from there, I basically rehabbed it a little bit and saved as much as I could. Um, At the point I had lived there for a year, um, I had met my wife and we'd been dating. I moved in with her. And she had bought this three-bed, one-bath house that needed a complete renovation. And when I saw that, I was like, yes, forced appreciation. Let's do this. And jumped right in with her. And we uh, we tackled that. And we kind of had some pretty big money talks early on in our relationship because I just wanted to be upfront about who I was. I was like, hi, I'm Ben. I'm going to be hard to deal with because I want to uh, make something of myself. And she was all about that and thought it was really cool. And so... We kind of spent between 2018 and 2021 um, renovating our house and adding a bunch of forced appreciation, paying off $120,000 of school loans that she had. Um, Luckily, I didn't have any because I was a college dropout. Um, And uh, (laughs) and, uh, yeah, I was halfway through and I ended up getting into the Department of Corrections Academy and so I did that. but uh, yeah, and just eliminating any kind of credit card debt or anything that either of us had um, to you know just avoid consumer debt. And yeah, we did all those things and now here we are in 2022 uh, and we're looking to you know save a bunch of money and, and invest heavily and really project our lives forward. 
Awesome. What what um, do you and your wife do? Uh, so my wife is a registered nurse in the ER, um, and I work security uh, at UConn as well. That's how we met. And I also just got my real estate license, but I like am brand new to that, so I haven't seen any any income from that just yet. Awesome. Any any big um, uh, things, tips to share around how you paid off the student loan debt? Was it all just grinding away, or did you have any big uh, events that helped out with that? Yeah, no, we actually did have uh, a big event that helped. We, we definitely grinded, but partway through in, I want to say 2020 when loans, or I'm sorry, when interest rates were really low, um, I took a look at what we owed on her school loans and decided to look at if we had lowered our interest rate on our mortgage and also eliminated our PMI because her original loan was an FHA loan. And we, so we decided to get the house appraised. Um, she had originally bought it for 162.5, and when we got the house appraised, it appraised at 285, uh, 285,000. So we were able to take out about $58,000 from our refinance, eliminate the private mortgage insurance, bring down the interest rate, and, uh, and ultimately pay off that $120,000 of school loans. And our, in, I'm sorry, our payment on our house only went up about $120 a month. So that was like an $1,100 and change savings for us monthly. You should feel fantastic about that. Congratulations. You <laughs> grinded and paid off tens of thousands of dollars. And at the same time, you, you, you uh, clearly were working hard and spending very little and fixing up the house and you got you were able to reap the rewards uh, in a big way. So life probably feels much better right now in a much stronger position than it did just a few years ago. It does. It does. And you know, I'll, I'll tell you, it wasn't without its hardships. There were points where I was like, we have to pay off the school loans before we can update the house. And one day I walked into the kitchen and it was like out of the 1960s. And my wife was like basically in tears because she hated it so much. And I was like, okay, I'm going to (laughs) cave. I was like, we can do the kitchen. I can't see that happen. (laughs) Awesome. Well, what's the best thing we can do to help you today? Yeah. So, I mean, now I guess I'm in a position where, you know, we have been maxing out our Roths for a little bit, um, for probably about two years now. Um, and you know, we're, I'd say we're more heavily invested in real estate. So I kind of want to get into, you know, how we can best invest, I guess, when it comes to the stock market. Like I know we should be in low cost index funds because I've read the books, but, uh, but you know, how exactly should I be doing that? Like I said to Mindy at one point, like, I think we're going to be over the income limit for Roth IRAs. So now I'm kind of curious, what should I be doing? Mm. Ooh, well, okay. So once upon a time, I contributed to my Roth IRA in January, maxed it out because that's the greatest, then it'll grow the whole year. And by the end of the year, I had sold so much real estate that I had kicked us out of the, you can contribute to your Roth IRA uh, qualification, which is a super fun, it's a great problem to have, but it's kind of a pain in the butt because now you have to go back and figure out not only how much did you put in, but what did that money, how much did that money grow over the year? And of course it was during a high growth year. So I actually did have growth. Now, if you put in too much this year, you may not have any growth, I am edging into the I don't know what I'm talking about department right now with the maybe there is no penalties because you lost money. You definitely have to take that money out and maybe you're going to be uh, upside down because you still have to take out all 6000 even though it's it may have gone down. I'm going to send you to a CPA, but also I'm going to tell you what I did, 
which was to go to fidelity.com, which is where I had my Roth IRA. And I reached out to them and I said, hey, I made this mistake. And they said, oh, we've got a whole document on it. Here's how you do that. And it's some fun, complicated math on how much did you put in and how much did it grow? And this is how much you have to withdraw from your account. And it is, you already paid taxes on it, so you're not having to pay taxes again, but it's just kind of a bummer. So at the end of the year, figure out if you did, in fact, contribute too much. And if you did, then that is the problem. Now, this, your contribution, your income limit is based on your adjusted gross income, your AGI. So that's your income minus any uh, traditional 401k contributions that you may make, traditional IRA contributions that you may make. I don't know if you have the opportunity to make the switch from Roth 401k contributions to traditional 401k contributions. If you're right there at the limit, maybe you could make some traditional 401k contributions to pull you down so you can keep all your contributions mm. to your Roth IRA in there. Idea. The Roth IRA, this is so, this is where we get into the weeds a little bit. The Roth IRA contribution income limits are a sliding scale. So up to a certain amount, you can contribute the entire amount. And then there's there's a little bit less that you can contribute the more money that you make. But you cap out, I want to say, at 244. Probably should have looked this up before I started talking about this. Um, married, filing jointly, it's $214,000 for this year. So you're going to be over... And if you're making 230, you could contribute 15,000 to pull you back down underneath that. Now, what if I have a loss on an investment property? Would that count against that total number? No, that you, you earn too much income to claim a loss from your rental property against, against your ordinary income. Okay. Um, let's pop out for a second here and frame the question. You're saying, I'm going to accumulate, I'm trying to reframe for you, so correct me yep. if this is the right question, um, if this is not the right question. You're going to accumulate fifty to sixty thousand dollars in cash over this next year. Yep, is that right in, in terms of savings? Because that's because you're doing a phenomenal job with the basics and the fundamentals here. You're saying I want to put that into stocks, not real estate, because I want my position to be more diversified. Is that what I heard? Oh, I definitely want to go heavier into stocks this year. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. So what's what's the best way to put that fifty or sixty thousand dollars into stocks? And now the, the next question is. What did you, where do you want to be in, in three to five years, right? Um, because I, you can put you can dump it all in your 401k, and we can find ways to get more of it into the Roth for sure. But then that's gonna t that's gonna soak up as much as fifty thousand of that fifty or sixty thousand dollars if we put it all into tax advantaged accounts. In three in five years, you've you've accumulated two hundred fifty grand and probably gotten some growth on that. But it's all in your retirement accounts. Is that what you want in three to five years? Um, no, probably not quite that much. So we are going to continuously be saving to get outside of our, our starter home currently, but I, I would say probably at least half of that, um, because we are going to be saving kind of for our, our, our longer term family home as we anticipate having children in a, in a, within a year or two. Um, but still I would say at least half. Okay. So th then we have an, an, okay. So, so we want half of this to go into tax tax advantaged accounts, the other half to be accessible at your option 
yep. within three to five years. Yes. Okay. That, that helps. Um, I think then that you have, you have the 401k or the Roth question, right? And you're making a long-term bet either way. I have my slight preference towards the Roth. If you would like to do a Roth, maybe one of your employers offers a Roth 401k. Have you checked that? So our, we're technically, uh, our employers are government. So we have the 457 and 403b, I believe, options. Okay. Is one of those a Roth equivalent? Yes. Yep. I believe it's... I believe the 457 is the traditional and the 403B is the Roth, I believe. Because, yeah, UConn is technically state of Connecticut. Oh, the 457 is the holy grail of investment plans. We've unlocked something. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so we need to have a thing on the application that says, do you work for the government? Because the 457 is, you can contribute to the 457 and the 403B at the same time, same contribution limits. I want to say they're 20,000 this year, 20,500, and they go up to 22,000 next year. Wow. You can put 20,000 into your, 20,500 into your 403B and an additional 20,000 into your 457. And your wife can do the same thing. Wow. So that's, what is that, $80,000, $90,000 right there. That's definitely a lot. <laughs> and then you could do that again next year. Now, if you both separate from employment with your current company, you can pull out money from the 457 with no penalty. I believe you pay taxes on it, but if you already paid taxes because you're doing the Roth option, then you just get to pull that money out. If you have low expenses and all of this money at your service in the 457 plan, you could really be doing some interesting things. I am going to send you to the Millionaire Educator website. He is the expert on the 457 plan. Yeah. So I think that's a great option, right? Maxing out potentially those two 457s. Yeah, that'd be great. Now, if you stay at the job, you can't access it without penalty. So that's one caveat. Well, that's okay. Actually, something that's cool about working for the government in Connecticut is after um, 15 years, my wife and I are both vested with insurance for the rest of our lives. Um, so I don't intend to be with the state beyond that point, which for me is like another seven years. Um, so I intend to kind of grow my business as a, being a realtor. And then at the point that I have am, am, uh, have that insurance. I'm, I would be out anyway, so that, I guess I would leave that accessible at that point. Awesome. Um, well, th then this is a pretty good, pr pretty good, easy answer potentially. If you if you're trying to get more stock exposure and your plan options are reasonable, dumping everything in into your Roth equivalent in, in the 457. Yeah, I definitely want to focus more on on stocks in general because like I know when we buy our next home, we have like the $80,000 in equity in this home and if it if we're still in that position and the market hasn't changed crazy, like I intend to get another 2 to 4 unit multifamily from that. So, I want my main focus over the next few years to definitely be the stocks knowing that the real estate side of stuff is going to kind of be taking care of itself and the money's technically already there. Awesome. Would you mind giving us a quick overview of your real estate portfolio and the two properties? Sure. So I own a three family that I bought on an FHA loan at the end of 2017, which I bought for 259 and now I owe 233 on. That has appreciated a ton, some through forced appreciation and just some through the general market. Um, and now is estimated between like 380 and 400 I would say based off current comps. And what's that rent what's the rent for? Uh 3375. Um it's actually a duplex and a single family. A single family is super small, like 550 square feet. Almost like tiny home living but not quite. And then I've got a garage over there that rents for a couple hundred bucks a month. 
Um, mortgage taxes and insurance on that are 1980 a month. And then I set a bit of money aside as well for just t- typical expenses. Up until this point, I've handled landscaping and snow myself, kind of looking to get out of that in the next year. Um, and then on the one in Enfield, I just purchased back in April, that was 262,000. Um, and that was on a conventional 25% down and that currently rents for 3100 but through a couple um, items like we're going to turn the first floor from a one bed into a two bed. It's got a huge dining room and we're going to turn that into a two bed and a few things we anticipate at least $3,600 a month by like springtime. So, um, and that's on a $1,702 a month mortgage taxes and insurance. Thank you for coming on and provide and acknowledging that my cash flow is not my rent minus my mortgage. It's also my allocation for expenses, which seem yeah. in your case to be very healthy in a ballpark sense. So yep. these seem like two winners from a property, uh, uh, from an investment standpoint. And just to sanity check it, do they tend to put money into your pocket on a monthly basis? Yep, they definitely do. I tend to just kind of let it all sit there throughout the year. And then I try to like pretend that that money doesn't exist unless I want to invest a little bit of it further or... I don't know if we're already at our monthly budget and once in a while, maybe once a year, I'll be like, well, we can take $200 from that account because we never touch it. But otherwise, I'm just trying to let it build or reinvest it or something. Um, I try to forget that it's there. What is the CapEx situation on both of those properties? The roof, the systems, the uh, appliances, the HVAC system? So um, both properties uh, have new roofs. Um, I did the roofs in 2018 on my first multifamily, um, which cost me probably a combined 11000 um, The one in Enfield had a new roof when we purchased it, so that was great. Um, furnaces are all midlife. Um, windows, pretty good. Siding is, is good on both of those. Um, I am going to have to put in a driveway on the Enfield home in the spring. Um, I don't anticipate anything too crazy. We're just going to do enough so they can get off the street during the winter when there's snow. Um, Otherwise, they have plenty of room for street parking. Um, When we got the Enfield house, we did put $12,000 into that, um, to the third unit to basically fully redo the unit um, because it was renting for like $850 and now it rents for $1,200. Um, and we will probably be putting five to $7,000 into that first floor to turn that into a bedroom or into a two bedroom in the spring. Um, otherwise not too many major things, uh, that need immediate attention over there. Awesome. Well, how, how else can we help you today besides the, the stock question? I think this just my alloc- overall allocation was, was my, was my biggest question. I just want to make sure that I'm well diversified and that, I don't end up too heavy in one area, you know. I, I'm I'm not very risk averse, so I, I like to feel safe. <laughs> so when I think about my retirement, um, that's definitely you know kind kind of where I, I need to be is is a question. Um, you know, if if I'm thinking about the number, then I think right now, you know, we're spending say forty to fifty thousand dollars a year. Is that gonna Based on average, like um, inflation, are we going to need double that by the time that we retire? Um, and if we want to inflate our lifestyle at all, you know, I'm thinking we need maybe 125 to 150 thousand dollars a year. Does that does that seem like a reasonable thought process? I think that that sounds reasonable to me at a high level. Um, from this, I think I think how how old are you guys? I'm 34. My wife's 28. 
I think you guys are in in an outstanding position. You save a tremendous amount of money each year. You've got two really strong properties here. You've locked in your home mortgage at a low interest rate. Um, you're, you're, you're thinking about all the right things. You're going to be able to accumulate 250 grand over the next couple of years. You're not going to see your salaries go down or you're probably your savings go down over the next couple of next couple of years. You have plans to buy more property and more, um, and, and, and continue investing. So yeah, yes, I think that there is some math we could back into. Um, from a retirement perspective, whatever that math is, though, your tr- current trajectory is going to carry you past that. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you that right now, based on that. It, if, if you know, I'm I'm not sure. You know, your your fundamentals are very strong. You're, you're going to get wealthy with each passing year. Some years there may be some market declines or whatever, as the portfolio becomes a bigger percentage of your um, the, the, the change in your net worth, uh, your portfolio performance is a bigger impact than your savings rate, but, um, you're not quite there yet. So I think, I think you, you keep doing what you're doing and you buy another property in the next couple of years and add a bunch, you know, a couple hundred thousand to the stock portfolio with, with the process you're doing. Um, you're, this is a winning formula. This is a strong financial position. You should feel secure, um, in what you're doing, in my opinion. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Definitely looking forward to it. Definitely want to keep building. That's for sure. Have you created an investment plan yet? Truthfully, no. Uh, My plan was max out my Roth IRA and max out my wife's Roth IRA up until this point. And then I would check when we want to retire um, and at a conservative interest rate and um, um, yeah, and just be like, oh yeah, that number seems really good. And if I do the 4% rule, then I think I'm there. And that's about, that's about where I've left it up until this point. Um, and just knowing that I want to continuously get more real estate through, you know, refining out and slowly building a portfolio. Okay. So I think that you and your wife can do some homework and conversations about your investment plan. How many properties do you want to own? And that is not a judgmental question. That is a, you guys need to talk about it so that you're on the same page. You want to own two and that's it. And she wants to own 200. You need to start having more conversations. If you're both happy with two and you have two, great, you won. Um, Then what do you do with your money? You want to invest in the stock market. How much do you want to invest in the stock market? Do you want to have a stock market portfolio where you put in $10,000 a year Every year, no matter what, do you want to have a plan for putting in like, hey, when the stock market goes down, a mad scientist, I keep going back to him because he is like, all he does is think about this. But he was talking about how he had this plan to invest and he had a bunch of money and he was investing at this price point and this price point and this price point. And then when the market started going down, he wanted to invest more, but he couldn't do it when it came time to pull the trigger. So he automated all of it. So what does your level of risk look like? What does your comfort level with risk look like? I mean, think back to March 2020, when the market was starting to go deep dive down into negative into lower territory. Did that make you feel like all of your investments in the stock market were a mistake? They weren't. No, I, I didn't. I was like, okay, everything I've ever read says this is awesome and a great time to buy. And if you miss the 10 best days in the market, like you're don't pull out, <laughs> like always stay in the market, no matter what. <laughs> so yes, so that is but you might feel this way. How does your wife feel? It's one thing to 
say, hey, when stocks are on sale, I'm going to buy more. And it's quite another to actually do it. So having an investment plan and a written investment plan can be so helpful when you're in the throes of, oh, I just put $10,000 in the stock market yesterday and now it's worth nine. The money that I've had yesterday has now gone down 10% and I'm freaking out. Keep to your plan. It says next month I'm going to put in another 10000 and that's how it's going to be, or five or whatever. Um, so just, I think, an investment planning meeting with your wife. And this is not a 15-minute, wow, now we've come up with all the answers. It's a, it's a conversation to have over the course of several weeks or several months. What does our investment, what does our stock investment portfolio look like? What does our ideal rental portfolio look like? And just start that will help you come to a, a decision of how to allocate your funds. Yeah, no, that sounds awesome. And I, I think it's, I think you're right. It's definitely something that we, we need to do and further discuss. Yeah. I, I have a template that I've provided that I've prepared that that could be a helpful starter piece for that. So I'll send it to you. It's just a one page investment plan. So in awesome. three years, I want my portfolio to look like this many properties, this much cash flow. This is my stock position. These are my other assets. This is my side hustle, agent job, those types of things. Um, and th that enables us to do X, Y, and Z. That's awesome. I appreciate that. Thanks, man. Awesome. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms of each credit card issuer apply. It's Military Appreciation Month, so I'd like to personally thank all our past guests who have served and all our listeners who are serving, deployed, veterans, or in the reserves. But I'm not the only one showing appreciation. Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond with exclusive rates, discounts, and tools. This month, join Navy Federal and get $50 when you open a credit card. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. With 24-7 U.S.-based member service and resources for veterans transitioning to civilian life, Navy Federal is here to help you reach your goals. Head to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender. Disclaimer, must join an open membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. Annual percentage yield 0.25% for membership savings account. $5 minimum balance to open, maintain membership savings account, and to obtain bonus. Visit NavyFederal.org for more terms and conditions. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. 
As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my nine to five job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Listen up, business owners. Here's some quick math. Fewer costs equals more profit. The problem? You're spending more than ever on operations, materials, deliveries, software, and more. So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite lives in the cloud, which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. Cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because now you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. It makes sense that over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Don't let rising costs sink your business's growth. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash bpmoney. That's netsuite.com slash bpmoney. netsuite.com slash bpmoney. Um, well, let me ask you, you know, well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think through your situation and, and find opportunities here. Your, your fundamentals are, are really strong. It's going to carry you to wealth, like I mentioned earlier. So I guess one challenge we could talk through is speed to completion of financial independence, a baseline level of financial independence. Yep. Um, what I heard you say is that seven, you're really backing into an event seven years from now. How do I have the ma- maximum possible wealth in seven years when this benefit, this government benefit kicks in? Is, is that, is that right? Is that kind of how you're framing things? Yeah. I'm thinking of, uh, that seven years really allows me the opportunity to build, uh, build out being a realtor. Um, and, you know, take it just kind of overall be in the world of real estate um, because I do want to, like I said, further build out my portfolio and also, you know, just become a realtor. And so, yeah, in that seven year period, I would have the opportunity to leave the state with the insurance for life um, and just get out of that W-2 job. So I guess that's more like a, the opportunity of a little bit of like entrepreneurship versus just the W-2 paycheck where my growth will definitely be limited um, because there isn't a ton of growth in my department, truthfully. Well, th- in that case, I would I would do that exercise in a three and seven year period. Say, what is possible three years from now if I crush it? Too many people, I think, start with the conservative case. What's the worst case scenario? You should do that. Um, that'll make you feel good, yeah. but you also should think about what is the best case scenario or what's a likely scenario. Um, if a couple of these things hit like my agent side business or whatever, and that can, pro- that can produce interesting math. It could be that some of these other projects that you work on or side hustles that you work on over the next couple of years, make the benefit of staying for the additional four years to get that insurance benefit, um, irrelevant to a certain yeah. degree. So yep. something to, something to think through when you're going with with this is that your fundamentals are strong enough to allow you to actually plan on a little being a little bit more aggressive. Um, although I think there is another component to this, which is if you guys are planning on having children, um, that will also change the math, and we need to be more conservative in a couple of things. Definitely. Luckily, 
uh, my wife's position as an RN, uh, it, she works three days a week. So they are long shifts. She definitely, she works 12 hour days, but that definitely for childcare at least gives us the opportunity to, um, avoid a, a major cost there because also both of our jobs, more so mine, I get, I get the chance to bid on a shift every three months. So at the point that we have children, I could go to first shift while she works 3 PM to 3 a, which is what her shift is. And yeah, it might be tough, but we would be able to switch on and off with the childcare there so that we didn't have a massive childcare cost, which I know can be super expensive. Yeah. And if your wife is working three days a week, if one of those is a weekend day, then you only need childcare for, you know, three days a week as opposed to... Yeah. And she does work. She does work uh, a weekend. So definitely. Yeah. That's... And that's, you know, three days a week is a lot better than five days a week. And... <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, but that's something to consider. Childcare is very expensive and yeah. start your salaries make it so that you can afford that easily, but that is going to eat into your ability to save. Um, we just did an episode with Jen Narciso from Investor Mama, and she was talking about different creative ways to lessen the cost of childcare, um, maybe connecting with another family and splitting the cost of childcare or splitting an au pair or uh, connecting with them and you watch their kid two days a week and they watch your kid two days a week. And, you know, some sort of hybrid solution. There's a lot of hybrid solutions available. Um, you just have to get creative. So start thinking about that now. Uh, but in your application, you mentioned that you may be adopting rather than having children natural, uh, let's see, how do I phrase this without sounding like a horrible person rather than having biological children? So, and you did address the, the idea that adoption is expensive and, and that's yes so sad because there are so many kids that need to be adopted and, but you're right. It is really, really expensive. It's what is it like $60,000 or yep. something? It's like so expensive to adopt a child. Um, and I don't know any way around that? I don't think so. I heard that, and I haven't looked into it truthfully enough to know, but I heard that there's a tax break involved there if you um, take out a loan for part of it, but I don't know if it would be worth it. I, I might, it might just be something that we did straight out regardless, but I, I have to look into it more to really know. Yeah. My sister was adopted, but, and she went through, we went through an agency, but I mean, I'm 50 years old. This was <laughs> my, my information is outdated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. We'll, we'll take on whatever, uh, whatever comes our way. Yeah. And that will change the calculus on, uh, on the side hustles as well at the very least. For sure. I think the plan is just always to be as prepared as we can. You know, I'm even with that budget that I sent you, Mindy of 51, 23, like there's, um, $1,300 of costs that if it ever needed to be, we could just cut out right away. We each have, which we didn't have this up until very recently, but we, there's $500 of like free spending because we were so budget conscious for a long time that like didn't get shoes until I needed shoes or didn't buy extra clothes until I was like, wow, I don't have good jeans. So we each allowed ourselves $500 there. And then we have $300 that we allocate to like a date night or takeout. And so, you know, God forbid if, if, you know, we did have to save extra money to, you know, do the the adoption, which I'd be happy to do. Um, you know, we could we could knock out quite a bit of that budget just with extra spending. Oh, you know what? I wanted to suggest, Scott. What do you think of this? A HELOC on his primary right now because they're gonna turn it into a rental 
Um, I don't know if there's any more opportunity or space in the or in his equity to open up a HELOC. I, I'm not sure what what percentage can usually go to like like loan to value on a HELOC. Like right now, we're probably just under the eighty percent mark. So uh, I yeah, I'm not sure how much more we could go. I, I think there are some that I've seen that's like eighty five fifteen, but a, not a ton. Yeah. Okay. So that doesn't sound like. That's worth exploring. Yeah, I think I think you'll be able to get you could be able to get some if you really shop around, but you don't. It's not like you have, you know, forty um, percent equity in your property right now. Yeah, like we did, but then with the school loan, that that's no longer the case. I think you should you, you did exactly what you should have done. Um, so you've already you've already taken the you've already harvested much of that benefit. Thanks. Yeah, I looked at kind of what because we're probably like eighteen months to maybe even further out, uh, probably even further out for from getting our home. And then I looked at what this home would currently rent at in in the current market, and the cash flow wouldn't be great. Although it's on super cheap debt, so it kind of kills me to sell it. But we would get much better cash flow um, by getting a two to four unit when we sell this. So probably going to do that uh, regardless of the fact that we have a great rate on this house. I'm, so yeah, how much? Like, how soon do you want to move? Uh, so initially we were gonna probably be in that mark that I was just talking about. Um, but then we decided that we've just been pushing, pushing, pushing for like every next move for the last few years, and we're like, you know what? Why don't we invest more into into stocks and put. Um, some of that savings that we were seeing monthly into into our next home purchase. Um, so we we honestly, this was like a very recent conversation. Um, so I'm not exactly sure what that timeline looks like, but we we've, we've pushed it out just so that we're not always like go 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 and stressing towards the next thing, just to kind of give ourselves some hey, let's relax, let's go on vacation, let's enjoy ourselves a little bit. Yeah. Okay. I think that's valid. So so your plan, just to be clear, is. You're going to sell this property yep. at some point in the next 12 to 18 months. Uh, probably, probably further out. Actually, that's that's what our original plan was. But now that we're we're um, saving towards the next home, we're allowing ourselves a little bit more time. So probably like two to three year range, truthfully. Okay. And then, do you plan to buy one or two properties at that time? A two to four unit and a primary home, or is the two to four unit the home you plan to move into? No, so we're gonna buy. We're gonna be saving part of that, like fifty to sixty thousand dollars we talked about um, that we have the ability to save per year. If we're doing say half of that, we'll be saving that over the next few years and using that um, savings, not not what we're putting into stocks, to buy the primary home. And then the eighty thousand dollars or wherever this home is at in a couple of years, all the equity from that will go into our next uh, multifamily purchase. Love it. So you'll you'll get two properties and sell the current one. Yeah, and that's what I love about it because even right now we're saving up for like I would say like our more expensive house. I think the budget we've talked about is like four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I still feel like I'm saving for an investment property right now because I know I get to sell this and get another investment property. So I'm still like kind of hyped up about it. <laughs> I love I love the mentality. I think that's I think that's one hundred percent the way to think about it. Yeah, yeah, keeps me motivated. Um, yeah, I love it. So well, great. Any any um, any other questions for us? I don't think so. Um, I think you guys have pretty much answered my questions kind of about like the diversification where I can go for further education on what the, what our retirement will look like. And, um, that was, that was definitely my big thing. Um, because I like to know what direction I'm heading into. I don't, I like clarity. Clarity is super important to me. So this will definitely help with that. So appreciate you guys on that. 
Yeah. I, again, I, I can't, I can only emphasize, you know, I, I'm glad those, those, I think those, those are a couple of, of good points that we had today. One is starting with the end in mind and making sure you're clear on where the portfolio is going, which is not going to be a hard exercise for you because you're pretty clear on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, if we're being honest right, right now with it. I think it's affirmation that you're doing all the right things. I, I can't, you know, I, I wouldn't, there's not much I would change about the way you're approaching your personal finances. It's super strong. You're going to get rich if you keep this up in a really stable way that you should feel secure about. And then I think Mindy's great point about the, um, the government uh, benefits that you have with the, uh, for retirement accounts. I think, I think that, that simplifies a lot of this. You, now it's just, okay, everything goes into that plan except for that, which you want after tax available, readily available for the purchase. Um, maybe, maybe even not that because you can just take it out. Um, if you, if you want to buy that property, um, by, by switching your job. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Thank thank you for that. Appreciate you both. Yeah, the I can't find the 457 link to the millionaire educator who was the one that I have always gone to. Uh, but I did confirm that the 457 can be accessed once you separate from service with the company that is giving you the 457 in the first place. Okay. Um, I would do some research into the 457 plan versus a Roth 457 plan. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask in the Facebook group and if anybody has any questions, any comments about a 457 versus a Roth 457, any uh, commentary on that, I would love to hear it. So please go to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash BP money to share your thoughts on the 457 plan versus the Roth 457 plan. I think there are advantages to both um, and perhaps it would be more advantageous to contribute to a traditional 457 plan if it reduces your taxable income so that you can hit on your Roth IRA. Now, the Roth IRA contribution limits, you have to get all the way down to under 204000 as a married couple filing, filing jointly in order to be able to contribute the entire 6000 And there's a sliding scale. Um, at 213,000, you can only contribute $600 to your Roth. Okay. All right, cool. I noted that. So I'll check that out for sure. There's lots of options there. Um, and then my last piece of advice is also, I already said this, but make an investment plan, sit down with your wife and have an investing strategy meeting. Um, you know, grab a bottle of wine or a bottle of sparkling water and have a nice dinner with no distractions and talk about where you want your investments to look like in five years, in 20 years, in, you know, stocks versus real estate and see, you know, if you guys are already on the same page, you win. And if you're not, then you can each pitch your side and, you know, see how your plan's going to work and put it into action. Absolutely. That sounds like great advice. Awesome. Well, Ben, this was a lot of fun and I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for coming on the show and we will talk to you soon. And congratulations on all the success you've had so far. Oh, thank you guys both. Honestly, I've looked forward to this for a very long time. When I first found Bigger Pockets, I was like, one day I'm going to be on that podcast. And I didn't know which one it would be, but I'm very happy to be here. And uh, yeah, it's definitely a dream come true. So thank you guys so much. Thank you, Ben. All right. That was Ben. And that was actually a pretty fun story, Scott. I really like all of the options that he has. And I am super excited for him and for anybody else listening to do an investment plan. If you don't have a written out plan 
for what kind of investments you want and where you want your money to be going. How do you know that it's going where you really, really want it to go? Um, especially in these emotionally charged times where you can see the stock market dropping sometimes rather dramatically and wondering, ooh, is it the right time to put my money in there? Um, so I encourage everybody to go to the show notes for today's episode. And uh, we have the link to Scott's document, his uh, investment plan, and download that and really take some time to either fill it out yourself or if you are partnered up, have a conversation with your partner about where you want your money to go. Yeah, I, I, think, it, I think it was... Um... I think Ben was a great example of, you know, someone who has a very repeatable set of circumstances. This is a person who is 34. Uh, he said his wife's 28 and they're about to start their family. So they're in the period in which they're double income, no kids. They're, what, what, her, his wife is a nurse. He's a security guard. This is not an unrepeatable set of circumstances. This is not someone that that's uh, that that's not ordinary in the United States in terms of their, their ability to generate income and build wealth and discipline, frugality, long-term planning, all of these things, you know, uh, uh, that hard work on the side to repair multiple properties over several years, that's generated a couple hundred thousand dollars in net worth and a trajectory that's going to carry them to financial independence over time. They got to be planned. They got to be smart. Their expenses will creep up as they start their family, especially if they choose to adopt, um, as, which as we noted is a, is a, is pretty expensive. Uh, and we'll suck out about a year of cash flow. but it's, it's a, it's a really strong position and, and got to, got to commend him for what he's done. Yeah, absolutely. They have uh, done so well so far, and I am excited for what they have coming up. And just, I I like when couples are on the same page. So that's why I'm encouraging them to have the investment plan. It sounds like they, for the most part, are on the same page. So I think it'll be a very easy conversation for the two of them to have. All right, Scott, should we get out of here? Let's do it. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. He is Scott Trench, and I am Mindy Jensen saying, stay safe. It's a jungle out there. Military Appreciation Month, so I'd like to personally thank all our past guests who have served and all our listeners who are serving, deployed, veterans, or in the reserves. But I'm not the only one showing appreciation. Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond with exclusive rates, discounts, and tools. This month, join Navy Federal and get $50 when you open a credit card. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. With 24-7 U.S.-based member service and resources for veterans transitioning to civilian life, Navy Federal is here to help you reach your goals. Head to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender. Disclaimer, must join an open membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. Annual percentage yield 0.25% for membership savings account. $5 minimum balance to open, maintain membership savings account, and to obtain bonus. Visit NavyFederal.org for more terms and conditions.